from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist appeared preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was of him that the prophet Isaiah had spoken when he said, A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John wore clothing made of camel's hair, had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem, all Judea, and the whole region around the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they acknowledged their sins. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Even now, the axe lies at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I am baptizing you with water for repentance But the one who is coming after me is mightier than I. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you're visiting for Christmas in the country, we welcome you to Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church, and we're we're happy and and uh, happy you came to worship as part of your vacation, as part of your festivities. Uh, you you found us in the middle of an Advent homily series, so it's the second week of a series of homilies on the Mass. We're just going through the Mass. We realize that sometimes as Catholics we go through the motions. And we do the things and we say the prayers, but we don't realize why we're doing the things and why we're saying the prayers. So last week we started with just the Sunday obligation. Why do we have to go to Mass? And then we talked about the entrance procession, all the beginning stuff of the Mass, the collect, the opening prayer. If you missed last week, you can find that on Trivia with the Padre, our podcast uh, for our parish. Just anywhere podcasts are found, Tribute with the Padre, get caught up, and you can join us for the rest of the series. We'll pick back up this week where we sit down, the readings, what you just did, okay? This is where we're at in the Mass, and we're going through the Mass. It's when we sit down and we start the readings. St. Paul says in the second reading today, brothers and sisters, whatever was written previously was written for our instruction That by endurance and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So Paul's talking about the Old Testament. Whatever has been written is written for our encouragement, the scriptures. So as Catholics, as Christians, we receive the Old Testament. 
And then we also receive from Paul and from the uh, uh, gospel writers, the New Testament. As Catholics often work, uh, people say that we might not know scripture. And though we do need to uh, learn scripture more, we need to, need to be more studious, more diligent. The reality is, is that the mass is full of scripture, both in the prayers and the responses. And even in our actions, we, we're fulfilling scripture with our actions. We'll talk about some of that today. But specifically, the part of the Mass where we focus on the Scripture is the readings, the liturgy of the Word. Now, our readings, I don't choose the readings every week. I don't just think, what am I going to read this week? Um, It's called the lectionary. We're given the lectionary by the church. It's this book right here. And it's how is it laid out? How does the church choose what we read every week? We actually get the, the methodology, the way of choosing the scriptures we read, how we lay it out. We get it from Jesus himself. That sounds kind of intense, right? We get it from Jesus, but it's true. You know what the first mass was? What was the first mass? The Last Supper. Okay. It wasn't a trick question. The first mass was the Last Supper. Here's even a harder question. So I'm not going to make you answer it. I'll just tell you. The second mass, the second mass ever was on the road to Emmaus. When Jesus, he rises from the dead and he's appearing to two disciples and they're leaving. They don't recognize him. And he asks, what, what's going on in Jerusalem? What, where are you leaving from? And they tell him the story, not recognizing that it's Jesus. And they say, oh, there was a guy named Jesus. We thought he was the Messiah. They killed him. And now we're just going back home. And this is how Jesus responds. He says, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer the things and then enter his glory? In beginning, this is the Gospel of Luke. It says, in the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus gave us the way we lay out the scriptures at mass. He started with the prophets. And with Moses, the Old Testament. And then he showed how the Old Testament points to him. It's called typology. It's the the fancy word is called typology. We just call it prefiguring. Right. How Jesus and everything he did, all of his miracles, all of even his teachings were prefigured in the Old Testament. That's how we lay out the scriptures at mass. So we have a three year cycle, A, B and C. And the first A in the year A, which is what we're in right now, we read through Matthew. And the second year in B, we read through Mark. And the third we just got out of is Luke. And then John is read at uh, Easter and Lent and uh, other feast days. So we read all four Gospels in that cycle. And then every week as we're reading through the Gospel, the church looks at how is this prefigured in the Old Testament and then hands us that Old Testament reading. That's what we're doing when we lay out the scriptures. A couple of things we do involving the scriptures. When we read the first reading, we're sitting down. When we read the second reading, we're sitting down. When, when the choir singing the psalm, we're sitting down. And then all of a sudden, boom, the hallelujah kicks in and everyone stands up. Why do you stand up? You stand up out of respect for people and for things. Remember when you were at school and the principal entered the, uh, the, your, your classroom? What did your teacher tell you to do? You stand up, hopefully. 
Or you get in trouble, right? Because the principal is an important person at the school. And so we as Christians, when the gospel is being read, we stand up giving pride of preference to the gospel. That it's Jesus's very words, his very teaching, his miracles. It's his life. So we stand out of respect. Also, what we do is I will say a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. What's our response? Glory to you, O Lord. And then we do something. We take our thumb and we trace uh, trace the sign of the cross on our forehead. We trace the sign of the cross on our lips. We trace the sign of the cross on our hearts. This is something you probably just do routinely, rotely. We don't always think about it. I want you to put yourself in in the place of someone who's never been to Mass. Maybe they're not Catholic. Maybe they walk in, they're like, I'm going to check this thing out. And all of a sudden I say, you know, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Everyone goes, glory to you, O Lord. And then they're all signing themselves all over the place. You're probably like, what is going on? What are they doing? You know what we're doing when we do that? The cross is a sign of freedom. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Jesus died on the cross to free us from sin and hell. So when we make the sign of the cross on our foreheads before the gospel, we're saying, free our mind to understand your word. And we make the sign of the cross on our lips and we're thinking to ourselves, free our mouths so we can preach your gospel when we leave here. And over our heart, you get it now, free our hearts so that we might love your word. So we live out in our bodies a prayer of our hearts. That's what we're doing when we do that part of the mass. Over the three year cycle, a daily mass communicant, someone who goes to mass every day, doesn't skip, will hear and reflect on the majority of the Bible. Just go to mass every day and you'll read the Bible. Or you can just go listen to Father Mike Smith's Bible in a year and you'll read the entire Bible in a year. It's an awesome resource. if You want to more scripture. And then we get to the homily. So the homily is just the presider, the, the deacon or the priest expounding on the scriptures. How does it affect our lives and our worship? In fact, this goes back for, to the beginning. Justin Martyr was an early church father in the year 150 A.D. He wrote this. He says the recollections of the apostles. So that's the gospels. And the prophets are read. So the prophets, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel. As long as there is time. I love how he put that in there. As long as there is time, like now they cut me off. They're like, you have to read just this. You don't don't just get to pick. And when the reader has finished, the president of the assembly, that's me, speaks to us. So even 150 AD, there was readings and there was a homily. He urges us to imitate the examples and virtues we have heard in the readings. Hopefully that's what we do every week in the homily. And then we go to the creed. After the homily, we recite the creed together as Catholics. Catholic means universal. We believe together, not just together here on earth, all Christians and Catholics here existing on earth in these pews or even in the world. We believe the same thing that the early church believed. The Nicene Creed that we recite was given to us in 325 A.D. 325. It's a long time ago. We still recite it because we're in union with them. We went through all the articles of the creed this summer, so I'm not going to go through each. But I will point out one thing we do physically during the creed. Call to mind what we do. We're reciting the creed and we get to the part where we say, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, 
and became man. We talk about the incarnation of Christ, that moment of the Annunciation. And then that missile actually tells us to bow when we say that. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate the Virgin Mary and became man. You are supposed to bow. I'm supposed to bow. The altar servers are supposed to bow. He just sat up in his chair. He was like, who? Who is it? He saw me. I said, you, you, you were paying attention. We're all supposed to bow. Why? Again, because we're living out in our bodies something we desire to say with our hearts. What do we desire to say when we bow, when we genuflect, when we bend our knee? We're saying, I want to humble myself before you. Because you humbled yourself before me. It's the incarnation. It's God saying, I love you so much that I'll become one of you. He was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. He humbled himself. We humble ourselves. When a, when a, a bridegroom desires to propose to his bride, what does he do? He better kneel. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, he didn't kneel. He just like, you know, was on the couch like, oh, you want to get married? But most of the time, we bend our knee because we're saying, I want to serve you. So we say that to God in that part of the mass. And then we have the offertory. Now, it has, it's just practical purposes, the offertory. It's when the collection is taken up, right? We have to collect finances in order to build a building. By the way, there's a groundbreaking after mass today. We're starting the groundbreaking of our new PSR building. So a collection will be taken uh, for that. But it's also a spiritual symbol. Collections received. And in the back, parishioners will take wine and bread along with the collection. And they'll walk it down the aisle. Remember last week we talked about the procession. They represent you. See, when I receive the bread and wine and consecrate the bread and wine, I'm really doing it on your behalf. It is your gift. It is the fruits of your labor. It is your life. See, I want you to place not just your money in the basket. I want to place, I want you to place your desires. I want you to place your prayers. I want you to place your joys and your sorrows. Everything you are, everything you have, your whole family. Is there a prayer intention? I'm not talking about writing it down and putting it in there. I'm talking about at that moment of mass, offer. It's called the offertory. Offer your whole life. And when you see our parishioners walking down the aisle, realize they're walking to the altar so that not only that bread and wine, but your life can be consecrated. Remember in the Old Testament, every family brought a lamb. Every family brought a lamb to the temple for sacrifice. And now you bring bread and wine down the aisle so that it can become the lamb of God, Jesus Christ. And finally, there's an action I do before we enter the liturgy of the Eucharist. I turn to the altar servers and they wash my hands. Now, it's not just practical. It's not like, oh, I got to wash my hands because my hands are dirty or something. I'm not like hitting, you know, hand sanitizer and washing my hands. It's a symbolic practice. It goes back to the Old Testament, to the high priest before he entered the Holy of Holies. It says in Exodus 30, Aaron And his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. I don't make the servers wash my feet. That would be a little weird every week. But whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they shall wash with water so they will not die. So when I'm washing my hands, I'm like the old covenant 
high priest. Except now I represent Jesus, the new high priest. And you wash your hands symbolically when you enter the Holy of Holies, when you enter the tabernacle. Right? This sign, in fact, the prayer we pray right after this, y'all pray, may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his church. Because we're entering the Holy of Holies. We're entering heaven. When John saw into heaven and the heavens were parted, he saw the angels by the throne of God. And what was on their lips? Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. There's no coincidence that as we enter that part of the mass, we put on our lips the very words of the angels in heaven. The thrice holy, 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 holy Lord God of hosts. Because it's that moment that we're entering into heaven. Next week, we'll pick back up with the consecration and communion.